Let's turn to the world of tech because it is Tech Tuesday, and so we bring in our tech expert, Carmi Levy. Good morning, Carmi. Good morning, John. Great to be here. I was reading about this quite recently. This uh, the Gen Z is very excited about old digital cameras, and I thought you've got the, one of the greatest cameras ever made in your cell phone. Why are you using vintage? But so why are they? Well, uh, this is all based on influencer culture. Uh, Kylie Jenner, Bella Hadid, Charlie D'Amelio, they're all posting uh, to TikTok and other social media platforms using, using the digital camera hashtag. 184 million views on TikTok alone over the last little while. Um, and they're deliberately uh, happy. They're deliberately pushing the, the blurry, overlit photos. These are old, lousy cameras. The Kodak Easy Share, Canon PowerShot, Nikon Coolpix. I had an Easy Share. It's my favorite camera of all time. And uh, and there's this nostalgia for the early Y2K aesthetic. Old cameras with not a lot of megapixels, lousy apertures, uh, terrible plastic lenses, and they celebrate this. And they say that when you take a picture with a a, a disconnected old digital camera, unlike your new amazing smartphone. It's an experience. You remember it. It says something about you. It makes it special. Uh, and this is a thing among uh, Gen Z users, Gen Z kids, who weren't even old enough to own or use these cameras when they were new. It's the most amazing trend. And, you know, I, I collect old cameras. If you see me on television, you'll see them over my shoulder. This is special. This is a thing. It means that they, they appreciate that it isn't just pulling out a phone and taking a picture with the most sophisticated camera you've got. It's appreciating the craft of photography. And I, as a photographer, huge fan. Okay. Maybe we should tell them about daguerreotypes and see what happens. <laughs> I, I'm right there. I still have pieces of my old darkroom in my basement. Maybe I'll start putting it together and get in on this too. Okay, so tell me how we end up with a facial recognition tech story associated with the Rockettes, who, for people not keeping score, are the high kicking ladies from Radio City Music Hall. So a mother from New Jersey, her name is Kelly Conlin, she goes with her daughter's Girl Skype. Girl Scout troop to see the Christmas Spectacular show uh, starring the Rockettes. And she walks in with the troop, with the other chaperones, and she hears someone saying, yep, that's her. We recognize her. They pull, The security guard pulls her aside and says, sorry, ma'am, we can't let you in. Um, they let on, and she hears them talking about her, they let on that the facial recognition system that is in place at Radio City Music Hall um, uh, picked her out of the crowd, recognized who she was. Turns out that the mother is an associate with a New Jersey-based law firm that currently has, a, has and for a number of years, has been in litigation with the company that owns Radio City, which is a Madison Square Garden Entertainment, uh, against one of the restaurants that they own as well. So basically, she worked for a law firm that had sued uh, the place where the Rockettes play. And they said, well, sorry, we have a standing rule that says that anyone who's involved in litigation with us, if they've sued us, we can't have them on site. So the mom pulled aside, not let in, had to stand outside while her daughter and her Girl Scout troop went in. She is now suing uh, Radio City Music Hall. Uh, and uh, the rest of us are left wondering, where else are they using uh, facial recognition to pick people out of crowds uh, and uh, and ban them from uh, from shows. This is frightening. It's kind of like our dystopian 1984 George Orwell future come to life, except instead of telescreens finding us in our kitchens, uh, we're not allowed to go see shows in New York. 
very frightening, and it sets a pretty scary precedent. Well, and yeah, I could understand facial recognition at an airport, at a border crossing, maybe at a you know access to a prison or something. Uh, at a Rockettes show on the audience, it seems a little weird. Yeah, exactly. It sort of makes you wonder, like, what exactly are they afraid of? Like yeah. somebody getting kicked kicked in the face in the front row. I think that, that <laughs> it's the arbitrariness of this, John, that scares me. Is that you're not quite sure who is going to be using this, where they're going to be using it, under what circumstances. And there are no rules. There's no law in place in America or in Canada that dictates what is or is not acceptable use of facial recognition. So you have this incredibly powerful technology that can very easily violate your and my and all of our listeners' privacy. And it's being used willy-nilly by pretty much anyone with no frameworks around it. You and I, when we go out in public, we're completely unprotected. And there's no telling where all of this data is going and who's using it. I lose sleep at night over stuff like this. And, and uh, I'll be watching to see who else is doing this because I'm pretty sure they are. Maybe they're just not as famous as the Rockettes. Okay, so tell us about this story involving Adobe. And uh, apparently they were using people's images, even if they didn't know about it, uh, for AI training. Yeah, if you use Adobe Lightroom or Adobe Photoshop, which I do, and again, this is also going to keep me up at night, it's part of the Adobe Creative Cloud, they uh, added a feature to it, a feature and a benefit. Uh, if you go into privacy and data settings and you look for something like content analysis, guess what? By default, it is set to on, which basically means that when you use these products, you load your photos into them to edit them. Uh, Adobe then uh, can take that information and use it to train its artificial intelligence tools in the background in the cloud so basically without telling you explicitly they opted you into this which means that your intellectual property your copyright your photos your work is now being used to train adobe's content again you know very dystopian we've seen this with other platforms you and i talked about lenza a couple of weeks ago uh, so this is a trend this is companies that are basically opting us in without explicitly telling us i would rather it be the other way around add the feature send me a note and say hey we've added this feature you're opted out right now if you want to opt in you can but again, big tech playing dirty pool with your and my privacy. And I'm thinking I might be looking for a new photo editor. One last story, this one about Twitter. Since Elon Musk took the joint over, a lot of people said they were going to leave. I filed an application to go to another platform. I'm not leaving Twitter, but I wanted to see what the other platform was about. I've been approved, haven't done anything about it. I suspect that a lot of people have switched platforms and discovered that they don't really like it. Yeah, you kind of get there. So the, the biggest one is Mastodon. That was yeah. getting the most attention. Other ones are Post uh, and Blue Sky. Uh, and Mastodon's own numbers show that, yeah, like as soon as Elon Musk took over the platform, took over Twitter, a lot of people uh, uh, signed up for it. And so they went from 500,000 users at the end of October to two and a half million in early December. Well, that's now dropped to 1.8 million the first week of January. And those numbers continue to go down. Why? Because you, you sign up, and I did the same thing. I signed up for Mastodon, signed, you know, so, uh, applied to post, uh, and you get on there, and you're like, okay, great. I'm all set up. I got the app downloaded. I'm there. And then, then twiddle your thumbs. It's like crickets because nobody's there. All of your network is still over on Twitter. They haven't all moved over. So you sign up for it, but then you don't use it. So Mastodon and Post are both gathering dust on my phone because I, I know my, I've got maybe two or three followers on each one. Haven't really cultivated my network yet. I'm back on Twitter. And I think most people find exactly the same thing. They talk a big game. You know, I'm going to leave this. I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm sick of Elon Musk. 
but then very quietly a couple of days later they're back using twitter all the time everything else not going to happen so i think uh, that's kind of where we're at now is uh is is those alternatives uh flash in the pan but I think we're all going back to where we originally were, despite what we might have said a couple months ago. Yeah, it's a less enjoyable party, but it's the biggest party. And I don't know about your impression of Twitter since Elon Musk moved over. First of all, I'm getting a lot of content that is, you know, I, I'm not interested in, and I'm finding it extraordinarily repetitive that I can mm-hmm. you know, come back an hour later and it's the same freaking 30 tweets. Yeah, that's because the you know the content moderators are gone. The algorithms have been tweaked. We know there's a lot more misinformation on the platform. Um, the you know a lot of advertisers have left, so the 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 the, the, the non followed content, the commercial content, is very repetitive because they don't have a lot of advertisers left. So you put it all together, and it is a quite the dumpster fire in terms of what your feed now looks like. But as it turns out, that isn't enough to push people away. They might complain a lot in much the same way when Facebook, every time Facebook changes its interface, everyone threatens to leave. And yet they're back there a couple of weeks later. So, you know, this is one of those things, you know, do as I say, not as I do. We, we, We tend to very quietly slink back when no one's looking and we hope nobody calls us on it. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, John.